Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. I could just say uh, ditto and amen and be about my way. The word has been spoken on today. Um, <laughs> so y'all preached uh, from Miss Minerva to Laura to uh, Laura Fox and Dobler. But Laura was on it today, I tell you what. <laughs> uh, and then that testimony, Rebecca, was just um, very encouraging. Um, and then that song, you know, even when you don't see it, he's working. And even when you don't feel it, he's working. Uh, that is a bomb in Gilead. <laughs> uh, when your heart gets discouraged because you don't see it, and you don't feel it. Uh, it is good to know that even when you don't, he is yet working. That is encouraging to me because uh, there's some, some prayers that I don't see uh, answered yet. <laughs> Some people's lives that need to be changed that I don't see and I don't feel it and don't sense is going the way that I would want it to go. Uh, but God knows best. And even when I don't see the progress, he's still working. So that is good news. And I'm thankful. Uh, this is part two. I won't be before you long. So praise God. Y'all already got part of the word earlier today in the worship and in the testimony. Uh, this is part two that er, uh, God wants every part of every part of you, part two. It's a lot of parts. Um, <laughs> he wants it all. Uh, we're going to review, and then we're going to jump into what we are uh, discussing today. And what it's just a continuation of what we re- went over, what I preached, um, I think, before the uh, first of the year. Uh, I think in December uh, I started this, and so this is just the second part of this and the continuation uh, and we're just going to reiterate that he wants it all apart. So that's all we're going to do today is just reiterate that with a couple of scriptures. Kind of uh, a little deep dive into some of that and kind of glean from what we can kind of glean from it. Um, so when we started before, we talked about Mark 12, 28 through 30. It says, uh, this is, uh, of all the commandments, which is the most important uh, the most important one answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And I focus more on love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and strength. Um, that is the vertical relationship. But the second part of that in verse 31 of Mark uh, 12 is love your neighbor as yourself, which is important. So do not negate the vertical relationship for the horizontal relationship. You know, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But they're both important. You can't give up one without the other. Because uh, he says these are these are the ones that are most important. Uh, we talk about God wants every part of us, heart, soul, mind, and strength. We talk about strategies that we use to avoid that commitment. Uh, we give God the things that doesn't require sacrifice. It's easy to give God things that, you know, or, you know, easy to give. Uh, like I mentioned, honor your parents. And sometimes, for most people, I would say for all people, but some people it is easy to honor your parents because your parents were good to you. Um, but it's harder to love your enemy. Uh, but God wants you to do both. Uh, we give God the stuff that makes us look good. Uh, we give God the religious stuff and keep the rest to ourselves. So we're uh, give him our Sundays, but 
uh, Monday through Saturday is ours, and we do what we want with that, unfortunately. And we don't give him the details of our life. We give out the stuff that doesn't take much faith. Um, when you have an abundance, it's easy to give, but when you have a lack, it's harder to give. Uh, but God wants you to give even when you are struggling to give. He still wants you to give. Uh, we give God the stuff. Uh, we give God the bad stuff of our lives, and we keep the other stuff to ourselves. So, God, fix these problems, and I give you the problems, but everything else I'll keep to myself. Uh, and these are strategies that we use to avoid fully committing to being all in for him. Uh, and this is just, all of these are just one strategy, is that I'm avoiding giving God, to my, giving myself fully to God. That's what I'm, I'm basically doing. Uh, and then sometimes we ask, is God demanding too much? And so uh, we, we looked at uh, Psalms 95, where it talks about, uh, let us kneel before the Lord our maker. We are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Uh, we are not our own. We are bought with a price. We looked at 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, uh, where it's like, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And then we also looked at Jeremiah 10, 23. I know the people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps. That is important to say that, you know, I'm not my own. God made me, and I'm his. If you went out and purchased something, then you can utilize that the way you see fit, right? Uh, if I bought a microwave for my house and then um, I found out that my neighbor is using them, say, hey, this is my microwave. What are you doing? <laughs> so same with uh, God for us. We're his, and uh, he wants to use us the way he sees see fit. He wants it all. Uh, and then we looked at Luke 18, uh, 18 through 29, where it's the, uh, the rich young ruler who had a lot, who said, you know, I've done all these things. I kept the commandments. And then. Uh, Jesus says, replies to him and said, well, give, sell all that you have to the poor and come follow him. And then the guy went away sad because he had a lot of riches. And he thought about that. And so he was torn. He had straddling the fence. You know, he had one, one foot with Jesus and one foot with the world and was trying to figure out what was going on. And when the Lord Jesus called him on it, it shocked him. Again, you're not your own. We're brought with the price. I should glorify God. Uh, Jesus died for you and me so that we would uh, die, die to sin and self, and live a new life with him. So now we're going to start with, uh, again, uh, this uh, final part, being all in. So we're going to look at a couple of scriptures of just about being fully committed, all in for Jesus. In 2021, uh, like I said before, uh, in 2020, uh, the Lord revealed that I wasn't all in. Uh, in 2021, as of January 21st, 23rd, what's today? 24th, I'm still not all in. He's working on me. <laughs> he is yet working. Uh, and even when I don't see it, he's still working or feel it. He's still working. So he's yet working in me uh, to be all in, fully committed to him. It's a work in progress. So I, I believe that all of 2021 he will be working on me to be all in for him. And whatever that looks like in your life, what, what things are you holding on to? What idols do you have in place or in between you and God? What relationship have you put before him? What things, what worldly things have you put before him? That's what he's after. 
you know, in, even in your mind, you know, we set up some things in our mind that says, I will only go but so far, and then I stop. I will only praise you but so much because it looks embarrassing, but then I stop. But when you know what you've been, what you are, because <laughs> I know what I am, a piece of dirt. And when you're a piece of dirt and you can say, the miracle is that my name is registered in heaven. When you get a realization of what that really means, then there's no praise that will go too far. There's nothing that you, you begin to realize how great your God is and how little you are and how much you have to give it to him because he's done so much for us. I'm going to start stop preaching, y'all. I'm going to get a little bit excited <laughs> because I know what I am and I know who he is and what he's done for me and for us. So it just gets me excited. I'm sorry about that. Now, <laughs> God is good, y'all. God is good. Uh, when you know that your righteousness is as filthy rags, and yet your name is registered in heaven, that is the miracle, y'all. That is the miracle that he loves you in spite of all your mess. That the blood reaches the valley and on top of the mountain. He still loves you, and he wants you to remove all your mess that's getting in the way of him. Ah, that's good. That's good, y'all. It's good for me. <laughs> so I talked about, uh, I ended with uh, Ben Counterfeit. I think I got a 20 in here. Yeah. Sometimes I only just got some coins, but most of the time. <laughs> uh, but I ended the message about being uh, counterfeit and how we don't want to be counterfeit Christians. And so when others see us doing our rituals, our outward rituals, they assume certain things about us. They may assume that we're all in. You know, they see us going to church. You know, my neighbors may see on Sunday morning around a certain time. You know who they are because around a certain time people are leaving. They, they look a little bit dressier than normal maybe. Um, maybe not. But <laughs> they leave out and they go to church and then they come back at a certain time. Even restaurants probably regular, have regulars that they see and they know, assume that these are Christians because they see them going to church. Uh, they may hear you even talk about church or Jesus or certain things at work and so they may have certain assumptions about you and what you are about some most positive some negative of course um, but I think most people would assume positive things about uh, Christians most some <laughs> um, and so because of those rituals and those things that we outwardly do the assumption is that you're real right and when they come to you because sometimes they do come to you and say hey pray for me you know, my mom is sick or my, 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 we're having trouble in my marriage or, you know, my son is doing this and my daughter is doing that and I need your prayer. That is when they look to see if you're real. They take to see if you're real. And we hope to be real, right? We hope that our prayers mean something, that we have a relationship that we can pray, that we're not afraid, that we're not ashamed, that we're not doing righteous living and just doing our rituals in front of people so that they can think certain things about us. But then the truth is, when they hold up our soul to the light of Jesus, they don't see anything. And it's empty. It's like that fruit tree that wasn't bearing fruit and it looked like it had fruit from a distance. But when it got up close, Jesus cursed it because, hey, I was expecting something and you left me wanting. Um, so many of us, we were, we've done the traditional rituals we convince ourselves and others that we are real we are the real deal 
We're born again, washed by the blood, filled with the Holy Ghost, saved by grace, redeemed from sin, Bible-believing Christians. But when we're held to the light of Jesus, we don't see the image of God. So Luke 11:42 says, Woe to you Pharisees, because you give good a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Again, so when I started, I said, you know, this vertical relationship that we have, sometimes we're really good at that. We're really good at showing that I know Jesus and he knows me and we're best friends and we have this good vertical relationship. But then the horizontal, we neglect because we don't love our enemies. We don't even love our friends, so we definitely don't love our enemies. We're not, we're not kind. We're not loving. We talk bad about others. Gossip. We backbiting we do all those things (laughs) and uh he says yeah you give your tithe of your herbs or your garden herbs but you neglect justice being fair to your neighbor we neglect that in the love in the love of god and it says you know don't neglect in either one you should do both we need to do both we need to be about our vertical relationship as well as our horizontal relationship. They are important. Uh, we've done the outward things to show others that we are Christ, but we have been satisfied with giving him just part of our lives. We have been satisfied with allocating portions of our lives to Jesus, and we keep some to ourselves. Uh, so we're going to look at Acts 4, 32, 37. And Acts 5, 1 through 10. So it's the end of Acts 4 and then the beginning of Acts 5. Uh, The believers share their possessions. Uh, And I don't claim to try to make any, uh, uh, give any kind of idea when we read this about what Jesus' politics was about. You just assume what you want to assume. Uh, (laughs) I just believe him. (laughs) Uh, So we're looking at Acts 4, 32, 37. Then we're going to pause and then we're going to go into Acts 5. So all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerful at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, bought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to everyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and bought money and put it at the apostles' feet. All right, so that's the end of that. And then we're going to Acts 5 first, and, and, and a little bit. But so here's something that was a common practice. This is nothing, no big deal. And it tells the story. That's what, from time to time, people who got land or houses or whatever would sell it. And bring what the uh, the what that sale was, the money from that sale, and put it at the apostles' feet. So really, just give it to the church at that time, so they can give it out to those who had need. Uh, and this was not this was common practice, no big deal. It just recognizes Barnabas that at one point that he had uh, bought money from a sale that he owned, and you know that's how the story went. And so, looking at Acts four. I mean, Acts 5, 1 through 10. Uh, Sapphira, 
Ananias and Sapphira, sorry, sold a piece of property. With his wife full not with his wife with full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but bought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? This is good, y'all. This is good. And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all of those who heard what he what had happened. So we're going to stop there for a second. So we looked at Barnabas. It doesn't say what motive what motivated Barnabas, because it said this was a common practice. So I can't make any assumptions about why Barnabas did what he did. But obviously his motives were pure because he was able to sell the land and give all the proceeds to the church. Now we look at Ananias and Sapphira. And so it's their land. They didn't have to sell it. This was their own volition. So they chose to say, well, we're going to sell this land. But we're not going to give all of it the church as customary. We're going to keep some of it back. And we're going to tell them that we are giving all of it to them. They devised this scheme. Unfortunately, this this goes into being all in. They were not, their motives weren't pure. They were counterfeit. They wanted to have the, looked apart. They wanted to look like Barnabas, but why not having the motives of Barnabas? They wanted to do what Barnabas did and say, hey, we're going to give money too, and we're going to look like we're doing what everyone else is doing. But when the truth is, they were holding some back for themselves. So it looks like, you know, there's a story I read in preparing for this where, you know, we invite Jesus in our house, and we give him a room and say, hey, Jesus, this is your room. I set it up nice for you. You're welcome to have this room. And all yours. And Jesus goes and stays in the room. And then late at night, some demons came, and they were knocking at the front door, and you open the door, and the, 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 the owner of the house was fighting the demons off, and fighting the demons off, and he was hoping Jesus would come down and hear the noise, and uh, he fought the, fought the demons off and was able to push them back out of the house. And then, you know, he didn't say anything to Jesus that morning. He was like, man, Jesus didn't wake up and help me out. You know, <laughs> I got him this room in my house. Why didn't he come in and help me? So the night, next night happens. Demons come back at the door. The guy comes down and opens the door. He's fighting off the demons. And they're making a real loud ruckus. And he said, I'm sure Jesus hears this. He cannot still be asleep. You know, I got him a room in my house. And I'm fighting these demons. And he's not coming down to help me. What is going on? And so the next morning comes. And he doesn't really want to say anything because it's Jesus, of course. Uh, <laughs> but he comes up and says, hey, Jesus, you know. He fights off the demons. He comes say, Jesus, you know, last night. These demons came and they beat at the door and I had to fight them off. And I was hoping you would come down and help me. Jesus replies and says, hey, you know, you gave me this beautiful room in your house. And no demons have come in that room since I've been here. But you did not allow me to be master of your whole house. And if you allowed me to be masters of your whole house, then I would have fought those demons off. And what Ananias and Sapphira didn't realize is that they didn't allow Jesus to be master of their whole house because 
it says that everyone's needs were taken care of. And they lack some faith, some belief, some something. It doesn't tell us why. They didn't say, well, they had a bill, a major bill that they wanted to pay off, and so they kept it back. No, they didn't say that. They, it gives us no excuse because the truth is there is no excuse for holding back for all of ourselves to God. There is no excuse. And I'm glad it didn't give us anything because then we would say, well, that, that's the excuse they had, but mine is different, so I can have this excuse here because that's not here. But they didn't. And I think, he, I think the word is, <laughs> is, is not clear about why they did it because there is no good excuse from not giving all of yourself to him. Uh, then some young man came forward, wrapped his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in probably looking for her husband, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? And she lied and said, yes, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then a young man came in, finding her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard these about these events. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing, you guys. Their outward display did not line up with their inward desires. They wanted to be seen as doing what was right, but inwardly they said, let's have the best of both worlds. Let's look like we're doing our religious duty, but then also let's keep part of it to ourselves. Revelations 3, 14, 22. Again, this is just reiterating that we should be all in. Uh, this is to the church of Laodicea. And specifically, uh, so it says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful, the true witnesses, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. And it goes on to say a little bit more. But I, I'm a coffee drinker, and I like hot coffee. And um, I will tolerate <laughs> any kind of coffee, really, because it's coffee. But <laughs> my preference is hot coffee. And so it is just for to me when my coffee isn't hot. I will microwave it to heat it back up to get hot. Uh, and I can see that Jesus wants us to, uh, again, this is reiterating, we're all in. He wants us to be committed, fully committed. Choose a side, whether you're with me or against me, but just choose a side. Don't, don't confuse people and they assume that you're with me and you're really not with me. And they come to you thinking you're with me, but then you're for something else. He said, I wish you were either hot or cold. It would, you know, he was, no, I'm assuming he wants you to be hot, but I don't know what his preference is. He said, either Luke 1, I'm going to spit you out, though. Um, but, yeah, he wants you to be committed uh, and choosing your side. Uh, Matthew 12 and 30 says, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. It just makes it clear. 
makes it plain. You're either with me or against me, where there's no in-between. There's no, I'm with you on Sundays, and I'm, I'm kind of with you Monday, and then it falls off on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then I'm back at it again on Saturday night or something. We can't do it. And so, in looking at all of that, again, just being fully committed. That's what, he, that's what he's calling us, to be fully committed. And when you analyze your life and where you are uh, on January 24th, right, the 24th, uh, and then when you do it again on the 25th tomorrow and every day, look to see how you can be fully committed. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for you at your workplace? What does it look like for you at your home? Does it mean that you're supposed to be reading more? Does it mean you're supposed to be praying more? Does it mean you're supposed to be doing more within the ministry? Uh, are you supposed to be giving more? Are you supposed to be uh, doing work of the ministry? Are you supposed to be evangelizing more? All those things. What does that fully commitment mean to you? What areas of your life that you have not surrendered to him? What rooms are you occupying but you've given this space to Jesus? And we, we know we're, we're like that. You know, we're clean up. Our, our living room, my downstairs is pretty much clean for the most part. Upstairs sometimes look a little rough. But my guests are not coming upstairs. So, you know, I kinda, we kind of keep where people are going to see clean. Right? That's how we are. And we worry less sometimes about, well, I worry about it all. But uh, sometimes we worry less about the dark parts that are not seen. But God is, is concerned about the inward as well as the outward. We cannot neglect the inward because of the outward and give more attention to the outward. Uh, and if you're falling short, you know, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, my grace is sufficient for my strength is made perfect in my weakness. I am content with his grace. His blood reaches wherever I am. And so whatever I can't get right at the moment, I am content to knowing that God's grace covers me, and I'm seeking him, and I wanted to do what is right in his sight. I want to end with a prayer, because I didn't uh, write this down, but this is Ephesians three fourteen through 21, and it's a prayer for the Ephesians that Paul had, and I think is appropriate for this moment and us looking to be all in for him. And I'm starting at verse 14. It says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. I'm concerned about the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height? And know the love of Christ, which passeth knowing that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. That is every part of every part. The fullness, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly. And this is important because that may look like that's difficult to do. <laughs> For our lives to be full with the fill, to be filled with the fullness of God, and you say, "Man, I can't." These idols are here, and they're hard to overcome. And in verse twenty, he says, "Now unto him that is able to do as 
exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that what work it in us unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages worldwide world without end amen that is my prayer that you are filled with the fullness of God that you know the breadth and length and depth of his love that passes our, uh, that surpasses our own knowledge and that he and if there is any doubt know that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think and so many times we think about asking for material things when we quote that scripture but ask him to get rid of the idols in your life get rid of those mountains that you have before you that he can bring down those chains that he can break you know it is just not about accumulating things but it is about breaking down those strongholds and so many times we think i can't get this is man i've been dealing with this for so many years and god is saying i can do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think don't just use that to get a new car or a house. <laughs> use that to break down, break some chains in your life, to have some deliverance in your life, to be set free. Ah, amen. All in this year, right? All in. We're all in. Um, take no prisoners. <laughs> You're going to be for me or against me. But we're all in. We're thankful. Let me close in a prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy. Um, You're just a great God. And we thank you for the word that is just reminding us that you want all of us, all the minute things in our lives and all the things that we worry about and all the good and the bad, you want it all. You want the whole house, Lord God. And then you can fight off, you can help us fight off these demons and these things that come against us. We just thank you, Lord. We praise you for being a great God. We thank you for uh, writing our name in the Lamb's Book of Life. That is a miracle, Lord God. You see value in us when we don't see it. And you love us in spite of ourselves. We just thank you and we bless you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.